Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. You're going to see a lot of Christmas movies uh, calling the spirit of Christmas. And it's all this melodrama, sugar-coated, you know, kissing in the end, family gathering in the end. And it's nice, it's fun, it's, you know, it's just cool to watch. But honestly, it doesn't express what this season is all about. I want to call this message the Spirit of Christ. And I don't want you to understand the Spirit of Christ as your spiritual being. Uh, this most inner part of your being. I want you to take the word spirit here as an attitude, as a motivation, as something that fuels your behavior. I want you to take the word spirit here as a essence. It's what motivates you in every decision and uh, how you're going to act toward others, but also how you see yourself. So the spirit of Christ is described perfectly in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and 8, that says, have this mind, or that has, have this spirit, this attitude among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Yeah, you read very clear. Divinity decided to put it aside all his glory, all his majesty for one thing. Verse 7. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Oh, this is Christmas. This is what incarnation is all about. The almighty God, the creator of all universe, he humbled himself and took the form of human being. Verse 8, not only that, in being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Okay, the spirit of Christ, in God, associated a word that has nothing to do with divinity and almighty God. What I'm trying to say is that obedience doesn't match with God. Because God is God. To whom should God obey? Who God should pay you know, attribute and honor? God is the only almighty all-glorious God. But the Bible says because of the spirit of Christ, the attitude of Christ, he got to the position that even labeled or, or qualify him as obedient. What God being obedient, this doesn't match. God is God. We should obey God. He deserves all the honor. All the authority belongs to him. But now because of the attitude, the character, the essence of Christ, so humble, so low, but so glorious in the same time, we read this word, obedient toward God. 
We have no idea, and even though I can use words here, what that even means. So today, I have solid food for you. And maybe we're not expecting to listen to such message. But if you came, I believe God wants you to speak into your heart. This is not for everyone. I have to agree that this message is mature food. But the, the Bible says that divinity became human. How? Why? What moved God to do that? What moved such humility and humbleness was the Spirit of Christ. Now, what is this in practice, Pastor? What, 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 how can I apply that in my life? No, I'm getting God humble himself, taking the form of human. And again, even stay in the position of an obedient son. But what that means for me. The Apostle Paul, in the same letter, Philippians, but now in the beginning of the chapter, tells us in practice what that even means. What the spirit of humility, what the spirit of of Christ, the, the, the message of grace should result in you. In other words, we listen about grace in Vine Church, but what that message should result in your relationships. And here Paul says there are three attitudes that should result as the Spirit of Christ grows in you. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves, that each of you look not only to his own interests, verse 4, but also to the interests of others. Number one, the Spirit of Christ is an attitude of unity. The one with the Spirit of Christ is always for unity, not necessarily uniformity. We don't need to agree in everything. Actually, it's okay to agree to disagree. And now we are going to our family. And I noticed something. The same facts, the same events in the world are happening, happening everywhere. In Peru, in Venezuela, in Africa, in Brazil, and here in the United States. Exactly the same events. But people are taking the same events. And the same facts, but having totally different feelings about. What is said is that opinions and feelings about the same facts are separating families, are breaking marriages. But the Bible tells us that the Spirit of Christ lead us in unity. Verse 2 says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Facts suddenly became less important than our feelings about them. And now you're going to go to your family and instead, 
instead of really just look around and talk about the events, you start to talk about your opinion about the events. And believe me, every member of your family have a different perspective of everything that happened in 2020. And if you try to defend your opinion, your feelings toward that event, you won't express the spirit of Christ. But pastor, how I'm going to be, uh, how I'm going to bring that unity to my family? How can I be the element that will bound my family together? How can I be the instrument of God that will bring my assemblies and my, you know, divorced parents or my uh, uh, broken apart family together? You need the spirit of Christ. You need to act out of this spirit of humility that focuses in unity more than uniformity. Philippians 2, 1 says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, verse 1, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy. One thing is, is clear. Everybody, regardless they are party, Republicans or Democrats, if they are uh, radicals or liberals, whatever it is, we all need encouragement. So instead of going there and defend your perspective over, over the same events, just focus in encouraging people. I did that in Brazil. And as I had time spent with friends, I was very impressed how um, depressed and sad and discouraged were my friends in Brazil. And I decided just to, to go and listen to them. You know? So I... Some of them made food as usual, as tradition of my, my state. You have to go, when you go to somebody else's family, you have to sit and eat. So it's not by chance that I became a little heavier after coming back to Brazil. It is like, if you don't eat, it's very dishonoring, so you have to eat something. And usually there are very good food in front of you. So always, always. And it's not just a tiny piece of coffee and it is a lot of food every time. So I seated, and instead of, you know, talking about uh, the politics and of the United States, and again, trying to say the same events that they all have over there, I decided just to listen. I decided just to be encouraging, just to comfort in love, just participate the spirit of Christ, and in somehow have empathy. So I listened. Literally, that's the only thing I did. I seated, and they started to talk and talk, their feelings, their opinions, perspective, mindset, about everything that I already knew. And the only reply I did was, that's very interesting. I never saw like that. I never thought in that way. I just replied three, four words maximum. In about 30, 40 minutes, just listening, listening, the person says, I don't know why, but it's so good to talk with you. <laughs> and suddenly we are together again. And suddenly the subject, I was able to shift the subject of depressing, bad news, 2020, the end of the world, you know, apocalyptic end of the world conversation to let's talk about what you have planned. What is your plan for 2021? There is an encouragement in Christ. Verse 1 again. Any comfort from love. 
any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy. I love the word sympathy. You pretty much put yourself in somebody else's shoes. To be more precise, like Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, he actually used this expression, verse 12, 3, 12, put on then. Everybody says, put on then. Come on, say it again. Put on then. In other words, you intentionally put yourself on somebody else's shoes. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. When we dress ourselves with the spirit of Christ, we are able to sympathize. And I'm telling you, the result of that is unity. More than necessarily agreement and uniformity. So go to your family gathering this week. Dressed, covered, filled with the spirit of Christ. The one that instead of defending your opinion, your perspective, your feelings, just to stick with the facts and listen and share encouragement. I'm telling you, you're going to be an instrument of God to man together your family. I saw that happening even in my close family. My parents, my, my um, aunts and cousins and um, uncles. So like I, I had this chance to just see these. In my, with my very eyes, I saw this happen. Number two, what in practice means the spirit of Christ? It is an attitude of humility. And this is where I want you to please, if you can, join us next week. Because I'm going to stretch more on that point. But the Bible says, verse 3, Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from selfish ambition. Philippians 2, 3, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Now, count others more significant than yourself. You have to have the Spirit of Christ to do that. When I think about that, you know, this is the, this is the, the best way to prove honor. Because honor, you cannot pretend, you cannot create and fake it. Like if you have a boss that requests, that charges their employees for honoring, uh, Yes, they might have a lot of yes men, you know, paying uh, tribute and honoring the boss, but it's not genuine honoring unless you honestly see the other more significant than yourself. If you don't see your spouse more beautiful, more intelligent, more significant than yourself, you're going to have a very hard time in this marriage. But when you genuinely, and I know I am genuinely blessed by a very smart, beautiful wife that really loves me and my family more than I will ever deserve, you know what? It's not hard for me. It's not hard for me. To make everything possible to make my wife the most happy woman in the world. When I really see my leader, my pastor, the, my boss as someone more significant than myself. It is easy for us to walk together. But 
Christ went above and beyond because God has no boss. God has nobody else is smarter than him. But Jesus, in the spirit of Christ, he saw you more significant than him. He saw me more significant than him. And that's why he served us to the point of death. Look, I, I, I might honor, I might, you know, make my best to honor people that I recognize are more intelligent, more smart, more wise than me. I might do the best for, for my family, but do something for somebody else that might even despise me. I have to have the spirit of Christ. I have to grow in the spirit of Christ. The message of grace that so loved me, that loved me so much, undeservedly have to operate more details in my life because I have such a hard time to serve people that I, in the very deep parts of my heart, I really feel that I'm more smart, I'm more intelligent. And honestly, now with this new hairstyle, even more handsome you know, <laughs> than them. Ah, it is so hard to serve. So hard to have such spirit, attitude. Let me explain this. And again, next week, I'm going to press on on that illustration a little bit deeper. Apostle Paul is the perfect example for us. Maybe you don't know that, but the, the pistols and the letters of Paul were placed in the canal form in our Bibles, in the chronological order, pretty much. So we have 1 Corinthians, Paul beginning his ministry writing these few words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9. He says, For I am the least of the apostles. Unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. So Paul, this great church planter, this awesome leader, he definitely had an apostolic ministry. Yes, he was an apostle, but he... Recognize comparing himself with Peter and John. You know what? I'm the least of all the apostles. Actually, I have to sit on their feet and learn from them because I persecuted the church. Yes, Christ showed up to me in the way of Damascus and, you know, made me, brought me this revelation of grace. But who am I with compared with John, James, and all the 11 that walked with Christ himself for three years and a half? Oh, yes, I am the least of the apostles. Paul is growing, pay attention, in the spirit of Christ that is always downwards. He understood that in order to have a more profitable, more fruitful ministry, the only way to be a more successful apostle was walking in the spirit of Christ. I know I planted more churches than Peter ever planted. I know that I taught and I wrote more than John could ever write. However, I am the least of all the apostles. And I know that that's the only way I'll be ever um, successful in ministry. This is Paul beginning his ministry. He's growing in the spirit of Christ. But now in this profound letter to the Ephesians, he went deeper, but in the same time, higher. He writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, 
which was given me by the working of his power. It has nothing to do with me. It's not because I was a Pharisee of Pharisees or because I went to the best schools and colleges, theological background. It has nothing to do with me. It's all about his power in me. It was given by grace. Verse 8, he says, to me, though, I am the very least, not of the apostles, not among of the best preachers of the ancient church. No, no, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, I, I know that when, you know, I look to some of you guys, I got really inspired and encouraged just to have the team of young pastors and young leaders that are willing to, you know, uh, shoulder to shoulder serve us, serve you here in Vine Church, Fort Myers. I already feel so encouraged. I was in our conference, Touch of Heaven conference, and I had the joy to, to watch Trenton preaching and having that small work, a workshop seminar time for evangelism. And I was so inspired by that young man. You know, having Pastor Tulio with his passion. And whenever that man takes a microphone, he preaches for, what, two million people. But actually, there's only two people listening. But he has to scream anyways. So I look to this young man, and definitely I feel inspired by them. And sometimes, yes, it is not hard for me to feel the least of the saints. But to be honest, there are some brothers that I look around and say, come on, I'm not as bad as that brother. Look, my marriage. And again, I, I, suddenly that self-righteousness, that pride, you know, creeping in again, and it's so hard to stay in the spirit of Christ. But Paul says the way up is always downward. The way of growth is always putting on the spirit of Christ. And Paul is not just being modest here. Actually, this is a horrible word, modesty, because it expresses uh, pretending, fake attitude. This is not true humility. Paul is not being modest here. He's genuinely saw himself as the least of all the brothers. Oh yes, that's no by chance that these men grew so much in grace. But now Paul, again, goes even deeper, or in other words, even higher in the spirit of Christ. Now, going to the very end of his ministry, writing to his beloved disciple, Timothy. He writes in Timothy chapter 1, 1 Timothy 1 verse 14. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me. Oh, I wish that our church here in Fort Myers be known as a church that overflows in grace. Oh, I wish that my, my life, my marriage, my family will be known in the community as a family that overflows in grace. I want that so much for us. Overflow for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. But how, Paul, how can I, how can I experience such overflowing of grace and faith and love? I want that. And Paul tells us the way is always downward. It's always more profound than your 
selfish perspective and conceit can lead you. Verse 15, the saints trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Now, this is so deep. I never went to this place. Actually, some of you guys might agree with me. As crazy as it sounds to your ears, one of the family entertainments for Brazilians while they are lunching during the lunchtime is to turn on the TV and watch the most worst, terrible news you can ever watch. You're laughing because it's true if you probably went to Brazil. And Latin America has this culture. Like during the lunchtime, families gather together, having their food and watching TV. The worst news you can ever watch, you're going to show up. I'm not joking. The most terrible rapists are going to, you know, have their image portrayed. Image of kids being murdered in the streets are shown in the lunchtime. And I watch that news, as you know, any family in Brazil watch. And I think to myself, that kind of horrible crime, that kind of horrible abuse, that the type of hatred and killing never even passed through my heart, I think. I'll never be able to do such a thing. I cannot say that I am the foremost of the sinners when I think of such a thing, but this self-righteousness perspective of myself is just to prove how far I am from the Spirit of Christ. Because the very holy, divine, perfect Jesus Die for sinners like me, the foremost. Verse 16, but I receive mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost of all sinners, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. That's maybe because of my self-righteousness and pride and sanctimonious image of myself is why I don't experience such perfect display of the Spirit of Christ in every aspect of my life. That might be the, the very hindrance that, you know, blocks this, this brightness that Christ wants to show through my life. Because I still think that I am not as bad as such and such. As an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. I want to grow more in grace, in love, in faith. I want to overflow in grace, love, and faith. But the way to that overflowing is growing the Spirit of Christ. Are you guys following? Are you guys receiving anything here? That is the Spirit of Christ. It is a, it is a perspective that the grace of God changed so much in you that you, you can really go into the same, act in the same heart of Christ. Philippians 2.8, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I, I, I will not die for a murder, 
a rapist, a pedophile. I won't do that, but Christ did. But he did. He, he died for all kinds of people, for all kinds of sinners, for all kinds of wicked, broken people out there. Oh, we need to grow in the spirit of Christ. As a church that desire to overflow in grace, love, and faith, we have to grow in the spirit of Christ. I want to grow in the spirit of Christ. What is the spirit of Christ? It is a serving attitude. It is an attitude that don't wait for a command, for an invitation to volunteer. A spirit of Christ is not that attitude that wait for the recognition, the applause. No, no, no. You have readiness. You look and you're eager to find opportunities to serve. You don't wait for the opportunity. You see the, the need, the lack, and you are the answer for it. You just embrace so much the spirit of Christ that, again, you find so many other ways to serve one another. Philippians 2, 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Verse 7, Christ emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Everybody says servant. <laughs> Philippians 2, 7, Christ took the form of of a servant. Again, that's another word that doesn't match with God. God is the one that we should serve. God is the one we should praise and worship. But now this very God is the servant. And maybe you don't know that because maybe the image you have is the Revelation book image of Christ. The glorified, the reason one. Yeah, but the Apostle John, when he opens the, the book of Revelation, he sees Jesus dressed not as a high priest, not as a king with a golden crown. No, he's dressed as a servant. And the opening of the book of Revelation shows this servant God walking among the, the lampstand, which represents the church, which, re, which represents us. And he is filling up. He is encouraging the church. He is pouring oil into the lampstand in order to keep the fire burning. Christ is still dressed as he was in the Last Supper. In the servant clothing. Washing our feet. Now I, I know, again, it is so far from our reality. Like, you, you, you are just like Peter, right? We are just like Peter. We, we come, Jesus come and say, I'm going to wash your feet. He said, no way, Jesus. You ever going to touch my feet to wash me? And in our, again, self-righteousness attitude, again, just pretending, honoring, say, no way. And Christ says, if I don't do that, you don't have a part with me. And now, again, we are in that attitude. So wash me entirely. And Jesus says, you don't need to be washed entirely. You're already washed. You're already saved. I love you already. You just need to receive my portion of grace today. And which is interesting because some of you guys still having this Peter attitude. I come to the church and I want to do something for God. 
I want to, you know, give something for God. It is okay, but the best way we could ever come before God is always to receive because he is the servant God. Now, I learned something in this trip, and I'm going to head to the end of the message. There is a, because I think social media, honestly, I blame social media on that. We had, not that I'm against social media, I think there are good things on it. But one thing for sure, we were not expect, we did not expect uh, that will happen with us as a byproduct of overwhelming use of social media. It is a crisis of jealousy and envy. Why? Because you can compare yourself so easily nowadays that whatever blessings you might be experienced will never be enough to satisfy your heart. And, and, and again, I blame social media on that because you look to your friend, you look to that church that is baptizing more people, you, you look to that leader that preaches like nobody else, you look to that couple that seems so perfect with that Instagram filter that they have no, no problems, no, you know, fights or discussions and disagreement, but for your surprise, two weeks later, they are posting the same Instagram, they are divorced. That, that's, that, that's the incoherence of social media world that we're facing right now. All right, guys, follow me, please. So I learned uh, antidote for jealousy crisis, a pandemic of envy problem in society. It is the spirit of Christ. It is the decision to serve regardless Regardless of applause, recognition, or the possibility of, of taking a selfie on that moment of serving. So somebody told me that an artist, like a famous actor, decided to make that uh, change, uh, that uh, radical transformation in a homeless person in the street. And he posted in his uh, Instagram post. Uh, and suddenly that actor or that famous person became even more famous, got even more followers. And while I, I watched that um, news, uh, I remembered my uncle, Pastor Wildo, that just in 2020, we covered not hundreds, not dozens, but thousands of homeless men in the street in condition of no recovery. But nobody posted in social media. Nobody saw that because he acted out of the spirit of Christ. Nobody's going to envy that. Nobody's going to be jealous on that. The antidote for our generational crisis of jealousy, comparison, and this discontentment pandemic problem is a serving attitude. I saw and I witnessed envy literally destroying ministries. This 2020. The pastor were going, were, he was going good. 
He was leading his small flock with joy and again with a sense of purpose. But suddenly now he's exposing social media and he starts to compare himself with such and such ministry. It's better I just close the doors of the church. I saw this happening. I saw pastors. I'm not joking. I, I heard this now in Brazil. Because we, Vine Movement, baptized 15,000 people. Come on, just give a shout to Jesus on that. In a pandemic year, we open up dozens of churches and we baptize together as a movement. 15,000 people around the world, a little bit more than 15,000. And I heard that. Pastors moved by comparison, not, again, just because of social media. Whatever they decided to look at us and compare us. And they said, how many of these baptized people were genuinely saved? I said, I don't know. I'm not the one that saves them, but even if it was 1%, 10%, 1,500 people, tell me one ministry that baptized 1,500 people in a year like that. Yeah, but I'm not sure if they, so what are you trying to say? You want all these 15,000 people in hell? That's what you prefer just because you feel compared with us? It's better for these people to be in hell right now? Like, what do you mean about that? It is so hard to confess jealousy. It's so hard to be honest about your envy problem. But the solution of that is I'll serve. I'll serve those that I look and sometimes feel bad about myself. I'll look to these brothers and sisters and I'll find an opportunity to be together with them because maybe some of this anointing, maybe some of this grace that they are enjoying can come upon me just because I'm serving out of the spirit of Christ. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise you who are younger, be subject to the elders. I love what Peter says, because honestly, in our day, now in, in, our, in our days, we have exactly this problem here. Probably you young man, you young woman, you know more than your, your elderly father, at least regarding technology. I know you know more. I know you know more about the trending tendencies of the world. You probably know more. But that's the beauty of the Spirit of Christ. That being God, pay attention, the creator of all things, the one that brought into existence from nothing, everything that you, your eyes can see, decided to sit down and listen Joseph and Mary teach him how to craft in a wood or in a stone. The very Christ, God, that with the whisper of His words were able to bring trees and fields into existence now is learning from His creation, Joseph and Mary, how to craft over that piece of wood. Like, what? Yes, and Again, you young men, you young women, likewise, just learn to learn again. Be dressed with the Spirit of Christ. Why don't you, we use this Christmas season 
to learn again from our grandparents good things, good stories. Learn again. Just be subjective. Be subjective. Being, I'm going to be seated at my grandmother's feet and just learn again. That old school crafting style. Now learning. I know there are new trending, new things, new possibility, new technologies, but I'm going to be dressed with the Spirit of Christ and I'm going to listen that old story of my uncle again and I'm going to learn something this time. Are you guys following trying to say? Let me, let me give you the antidote for this family gathering you're going this week. It is the Spirit of Christ. It is not your social media posts or how many followers you feel you have. Clothe yourselves. Come on, bring me the verse again. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Now pay attention because this is a this is a very strong admonition here. For God opposes the proud. I always like to say that, look, when you have a bossy boss, you might apply your curriculum to somewhere else and find a better job. You're free from that terrible boss. If you have this, you know, nasty, complicated teacher, you can go to another school. Let me ask you this. Maybe you have a problem, spiritually speaking. It's not about relationship, but you have a problem, spiritually speaking. You pray about it. The demons have to leave and you receive peace. But who can fire God? Who can move to the other school but the school of God? Who can pray and resist God? If God opposes you, my friend, you're doomed. So it's better we learn the lesson. I never want to be opposed by God. Never. I want to have grace. One version of 1 Peter actually promises us, God opposes the proud, but God gives more grace. Everybody says more grace. I don't want to have just grace. I want to have overflowing more grace. I want to have more grace. And the way to that is humility. Is the spirit of Christ is genuinely seeing one another more significant than myself. Verse 6: humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you. He may exalt you. Hmm. I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible continues in verse 7. And I love verse 7 being connected in the same paragraph. says, casting all your anxieties. Oh, yes. Anxieties, comparisons, the cares of the world, whatever social media producing you. Cast all anxieties on Him. Never forget, He cares for you. Let us always stand up. Let's